My grandpa has the coolest podcast. You gotta listen to it. Or else I'll punch you in the face. You know, if you're able to get inside my brain, you know, and hear <laughs> what my thoughts are, you would understand quickly that they fray in a bunch of different directions. Uh, professionally, I was a hockey player, and now I'm a coach. You know, so one would think that's kind of what I live and breathe, you know, but that's not actually the case. Though I love what I do, there's uh, so much outside of the game that I'm really passionate about. I'm a, I'm a bit of a music and guitar freak, and I love motorcycles and the arts. I even like history and geography through my travels. My podcast is about all of these things, and I speak with some really cool people about some really cool shit that I've met throughout my career. And yeah, you will probably hear the odd hockey story. <laughs> so join me inside my brain, man, and welcome to My Mommy Thoughts. Alright, well before we get going here, I should mention... Support for Motley Thoughts is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. And big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. You know, one of the coolest things, uh, the other day when I was using the thing, the, the lawnmower 3.0, I was couldn't get over how quiet the thing was. And it, nothing worse than thinking that everybody in the whole house or the whole world knows you're shaving the junk. Anyways, <laughs> that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium, man. The battery lasts up to like 90 minutes so you can have a closer and longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show you're more off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience firsthand for yourself and trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DUSTY70 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. (laughs) All right. And back to our regular scheduled programming. All right. Today's guest is an ex-teammate and old friend from the dial-up internet days. His career path is a long and interesting journey, actually. He was drafted 31st overall in the NHL draft by the Florida Panthers. 
and also had stints in Toronto, LA, and New York with the Islanders. He also played in Germany in the DEL with Mannheim and then made a final stop in Japan. And that's where we met. His career after hockey actually is just as interesting. He is now a high performance mindset coach and has his own podcast called Up My Hockey, which I've been on. I see him every day on the social media and Instagram and all that, working tirelessly with kids on and off the ice. And it is really awesome to see him giving back so much to the community and the game. Even though this guy has no hair, he has Samson-like powers and energy. (laughs) So it gives me great, great pleasure in welcoming my friend, Mr. Jason Podolan. Thanks for letting me uh, listen to that. (laughs) Dusty, good to be here, man. How are you doing, man? Good. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. I've been, like I said, I've been watching, you know, through Insta and all your stories and and all this constant work you're doing with kids. It's like you, you have how many kids you have? I have three. You have three of your own. That that's not enough for you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? Like I don't know. Everyone's got to pay the bills some way, right? right? Yeah. And um, and yeah, I mean, like, not that. I, I definitely have a strong personal connection to what I do. Um, yeah. I happen to be good at it. I mean, at the youth level, I guess, um, you know, these are young athletes, right? Which isn't really my expertise as far, as far as, you know, the mindset stuff that I do. Right. But, you know, geez, I mean, I got these three boys. They, they still like hanging out with me. They still think dad's kind of cool, which I got to take advantage of. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, get to get to create some great programming at that age. I get to hang out with them, you know, uh, they get to create friendships and yeah, you mean, it's not for everybody. You know, some of the parents are like, Oh my God, I don't know how you do it. Right. But it's like, I don't know. To me, it's, 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 uh, it's easy. It's fun. Um, I like giving these kids something, you know, to look forward to and, yeah, uh, yeah. and get better in the process. So it's fun. It, it's really, really great, especially now with mm-hmm. everything that's going on and that you're able to still, uh, push forward, you know, that, that connection and, and, not lose that because it's it's disappearing in a lot of places with kids and a lot of negative stuff with that follows and that the fact that you're getting the kids out there and being together and just hanging out and playing a game they love that's i think it's pretty cool yeah well i mean like you said you hit the nail on the head just with covid and how weird covid is and has been and the impact it's had everywhere um Mm -hmm. I know a lot of us, you know, there's financial impact. I mean, this has touched everyone somehow. Uh, for me, it's, it's the, it's the kids that really bothers me the most for whatever reason, you know, yeah. like, a, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect them, their health and their life isn't in danger specifically. Um, they're at an emotional and a maturity level where they just kind of can't really fathom it or grasp it. And yeah. yet, you know, everything's just changing so much for them and talk about the need to be social. Like we all have a need to be social, but at that age, it's like, you know, like that's what it's all about. And for them yeah. to have that taken away is pretty tough. So, yeah, I mean, to provide an environment at some points where they could get out and, you know, be a little bit more, you know, whatever age appropriate stuff and just act and have fun and, you know, run around. I mean, that was, it was good to see and see the smiles and the laughs. So I know, I know it was a, it was a good soul thing for a lot of these guys as well. No, for sure. So let me get this straight then. Exactly. Do you have an actual full on program like with on and off the ice or did you just kind of build it, you know, as it went or was it a full on sign up and you're in kind of thing? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's where there's a lot of crossover for what I do from a professional and then a personal level. But like the 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 thing that I was talking about with the activities was this thing called Up My Hockey Wednesdays. So that was right. This was birthed by the idea that our kids were going to homeschool this year. So I mean, I have an 11 year old, a 10 year old, and an eight year old. Right, all right. boys, all hockey players. Uh, we live about 15, 20 minutes outside of town, the nearest school, is, which we have to drive them to. There's no bus, right? So heading into the fall this year, we were like, man, like if there was ever a year to homeschool, like this is probably the year, right? Like right. nobody really knew what school was going to look like and what type of rules and restrictions were going to be there. And um, what we did see didn't look too fun. Uh, when we were forced into quarantine in the fall, as everybody was there for a while, um, we found that the homeschool actually worked out well for Sarah and I. We were both home most of the time anyways, you know, and we live in this, you know, utopia-like sort of resort environment where the kids could go out and play and, you know, have have some fun and not be worried too much about what was going on. So we were like, well, you know, well, let's try it this year. And then when we just made that decision, I was like, well, they need to have some type of social interaction. And I thought maybe other families would be doing the same thing. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do like a, almost a hockey Academy like approach for Peewee and younger. Right. Mm -hmm. So my age group of kids where, where that uh, isn't offered in schools yet, it's not offered at Academy programs. And, and my idea was, Hey, we'll, we'll base it around hockey. So we'll have an hour and a half in the morning, but then I'm going to bring in, uh, professionals in their field and whatever to expose these kids to different disciplines. Right. So, um, we had some tradition, more traditional, like cross training from a real reputable place here in town called the training house. Uh, we learned ultimate Frisbee with, uh, with a national team member of, oh, the, cool. of the ultimate Frisbee team. We went to a rock climbing gym. Uh, we did CrossFit. We did soccer with the, uh, white caps development coach. Um, you know, like the list kind of goes on and on where these, where these kids were exposed to different stuff. Uh, got to have a ton of fun, uh, got to include hockey, which is kind of you know, the backbone of, of their identity, right? So we were right. still dealing with that. Uh, but we'd spend the morning together every Wednesday, um, all year, pretty much. And I would I would organize these different uh, different programs and the, I'd call them quadrants. So we'd have six sessions where we'd go and do uh, three different things. And yeah, the parents loved it. The kids loved it. It turned out to be super successful, just kind of doing it off the seat of my pants. But it's something that, you know, I got a wait list for next year and people want to do it. So um, it's wow. It's that's awesome. You know, it brings back a lot of memories from, you know, the, the, the differences in schools and, and, and how they generally are now. And it's very go, 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 uh, learn, 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 get better, better, better. But I remember as a kid, just the ones that always uh, enticed me or I wanted to go to were just the, like the Penticton one, uh, and it was because you got to play mini golf <laughs> and you got to go swimming. And, and yep. those are the things that you remember from those. And, and, and it attaches itself to your love of hockey. But in, in reality, what it is, is the whole experience of having fun is what keeps you um, loving the game and whatnot. And it sounds the way you kind of spun it is very similar in that sense it had a lot of stuff that you can learn from for sure but made it really fun oriented yeah is that right yeah exactly you I mean that's the thing you I mean you don't you're actually creating better hockey players i mean if that's what they want to be you know i mean you know, i know they're young and even yeah, the yeah. parents i right? know oh, they're hockey players so they're focused on like hockey and wanting to get better at hockey but i'm a massive believer in the philosophy of just being a great athlete yeah. right and and being curious and being exposed to different things so 
yeah, I mean, it's sort of a subtle backhanded way to make these kids better hockey players, but it's like an approach that I think is just makes them a well-rounded person, which is also more my approach when it comes to the off-ice stuff that I do is like, you know, which is very similar, I believe, to what you do. And you talk mm-hmm. about not being able to help the athlete until you understand the person. And that's exactly what I'm doing is developing the person, right? Helping the person become a better athlete and a lot of times we don't think of the person behind the athlete so when we're when we're you know working with these and i mean for this like again this is a different age category than my clients you know like this is eight to 12 year old boys and girls um you know they're not thinking maybe about real dreams of being the nhl but i mean you make them social animals that know how to handle situations and can approach adversity and they're well-rounded and they understand how their body moves in space and you mean like all these things that are life skills at the end of the day um that are helping them in their in their chosen field at this point which happens to be hockey so yeah it's all all good totally agree you know the, the the old way of of coaching and just hammering it in is it's still out there and for sure still out there, but I, I'm really uh, um, trying to be an advocate for uh, getting to know the person and, uh, and, and finding the bond first uh, and that connection, because it makes, you still have to know your craft. And, but if you do know it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to get it through to the person, especially in today's younger generation, the kids coming up now, you learn more and more quickly that they don't see things quite the same as the way you and I did and, and would just get scared into do something or, (laughs) um, and that's how it was done. Right. Now, now they, they'll shut you out. (laughs) And uh, if you really want them to see these unreal strides, like some people ask me, you know, how you have these stories with uh, like, Peter Budai or Jack Campbell or whoever and have these incredible strides and 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 it was all based around what we just talked about and that connection and once they trust you and believe in you and I can only imagine how that would work tenfold with a with a child mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so the way you're doing it I think is commendable and I think it's awesome yeah, no, thanks. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'll just echo what you're saying there. I mean, I do believe, I, I believe it's not only the new age of coaching, but it is just coaching. And it really has been those who have per- perfected it, you know, like there was a top down approach forever. And especially the culture of hockey was was really dominated by that for a long time. But there were still some outliers, you know, yeah, even yeah. even during the dinosaur era, yeah. that understood that if you want to get the most out of your athletes right you have to understand them as people right and that's where you're going to get that competitive edge and again like it's it's interesting because it can we can talk about this and be all fluffy about it and some people kind of get turned off by by the idea of that um I don't care which way you want to spin it because you can spin it as a high performance topic like do you want that five percent edge do you want that ten percent difference that's what's going to get it it's not going to be the one technical thing of how you move your your blade arc through a turn right it's it's actually like how you approach that practice or how you approach the adversity that's coming or, you know, who you have to turn to when things are going shitty, like that's your difference right there, you know? So you can, you can frame it from a high performance uh, perspective too. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just think, I think you're dealing with more well-rounded people that are more equipped to deal with stuff, whether it's on the ice or off the ice or post-career, whatever the scenario is, and you're building relationships, you're building that human side that makes us human, right? Yeah, like yeah. the part that we really should lean into more. And sometimes we forget as athletes. So 
um, yeah, no, man, I, it's rewarding. I, I know, I know uh, from talking with you how much you enjoy that side of it. Plus, it makes your job that's that much more better, right? Because oh, you know, for you, sure. Yeah, you have a relationship with a with a human being, right? Like it's not it's not just an athlete. So I don't know. I guess it, for, for me, it's it's kind of a a no lose scenario. Yeah. For sure. Oh, oh, for sure. You know the the funny thing is when when you're when you're doing it with younger even as you in pro the older person versus the younger player there's differences right and you got to treat everybody differently and and as an individual but you know i think people would be surprised though that in in pro and in the nhl how the way i do things uh is not always like they, they still try to um understand the player and whatnot but that there's a line there's a definite line and with the way i am with and being such close friends with them all and social media and i use it and i took i took heat for it for for the longest time and people didn't say anything though because i was having such good results but in the i was definitely taking uh, some heat and jokes about, you know, me being on social media and, but, but it's how people communicate now. Like if you, you can choose to not use internet, if you want to be an old, <laughs> an old man, say, I don't like these freaking iPhones are stupid and, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Or you can move on with the times and be a part of it. And uh, I chose the the latter and it it's made a huge difference. And, you know, it's neat to see you um, evolve too. From the last, it's almost like when you do these pods, your podcast, and you have these different coaches on. I notice little bit snippets, differences in you know your coaching and 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 bringing. You must have a very, very cool, well-rounded package now of how you do things. It's neat. You have yeah, a I mean, it's fun. I think that's just an approach too. I mean, I don't know how you approach your coaching or where you pick up, you know, your things, right? right. I mean, I think, I think we we arrive at the scene sort of with a philosophy and <laughs> yeah. like an idea, right? And then in practice, and as we evolve, um, you know, I do like I'm like who does what I do really well, or who's better at me at X, you know, or yeah. who's doing what that's successful. So I mean, I'm completely trying to be a sponge all the time, right? With that. Mm -hmm. I, that's one thing I've learned. You might learn that a little bit as a player and more so after, after I was done playing, like the need that I should have been more like that, you know, like who's doing what well and what are they doing and try and model that success, you know, like to, to pick up on stuff. I've definitely inherited that or absorbed that as a coach. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm growing, I'm evolving just like I want my players and my, my clients to evolve and grow. Um, you know, if you and I can't, if, we, if you and I can't model that um, in real time, right, how, how can we really be asking them to be doing the same, you know? Right. Yeah. So with, with your, um, the, the mindset coaching and whatnot, so do you, you coach like adults, for example, in, is it life coaching or are you, you, you uh, helping professional athletes or is it just, uh, where does that field take you? Well, right now I'm not working with pro players. I've uh, I've worked with junior players, up to okay. junior players. So I haven't, I, mean, I haven't really explored that to be honest. You know, I'm sort of mm -hmm. just found my niche. Um, 
working with junior teams now. I'm being approached by junior teams, so setting up stuff for next year to be, you know, their their consultant or their or their mental performance oh, cool. coach, you know, in that in that aspect. Uh, private clients in the midget age, Bantam midget age, ages who I've who I've been working at as far as private clients is concerned. Um, and yeah, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's kind of an esoteric field and what is the right label you know to right, put on myself right. like you announced me as a mental performance uh, mindset coach or a high performance mindset coach i mean I, i'm fine with that title and i think that's good a lot of for a lot of people though like what does mindset mean right like yeah um and one thing i say is like if i could package it like shortly and succinctly is that i help players go from good to great uh without more ice time and more physical training you know because and then it's like, well, well, what's that? How do you do that? And it's like, well, there, there's so much you can explore away from the ice and away from what you, people think of as traditional modalities, right, to improve that just really aren't explored. And a lot of the time when that comes from someone like you or I that's been there, that's walked into a locker room, that's yeah. been on the fourth line or a healthy scratch or trying to overcome an injury and all these things that uh, athletes go through, especially in the hockey realm, um, that you can apply some skills and tactics to them from a first person example, um, you know, it's relatable, right? Yeah. And they want to listen. And, uh, and again, you find out what works for that player and you use different strategies for, for different things. But um, I'm all about potential, really. I mean, that's why I right. like to use the word high performance. You know, I, I think everyone is chasing some type of a dream, I think. You know, like whether that's a D1 scholarship or whether that's major junior or whether that's an NHL jersey, right? Or a Hall right. of Fame career. Like the, everyone has something. And I just try to break it down to like, how do you become your best? And if you if you if you accomplish that in whatever capacity, the 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 closer you get to accomplishing that, then you're gonna get to where you're gonna get to. You know, like we're so results oriented. I'm like, let's change the result. Like, let's change the result from like being, yeah, I want to be first ballot Hall of Famer to let's change the result to being, I want to be the best Jason Padone I can be. And yeah. when you focus on that and you keep that in your in, in, in front of mind, then there's all these different elements, right? That you can be curious about that. Like, how, how does that actually happen? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And uh, and for a lot of people, it's, it's not it's not more power skating and it's not increasing the strength of your deadlift. You know, it's yeah. it's. How do you approach the game? How do you keep it fun? How do you handle your adversity? How do you, what's your preparation look like? You know, what's your relationship capacity like? You know, what type of people are going to bat for you? So there's so many things you can get into. And, and in that, I, I encompass that as mindset. And uh, yeah, we focus on different things at different times. Very cool. No, <laughs> so many of the things that you just mentioned and came up uh, are pre pretty much in line with how I go about doing my business. And uh, I was just thinking of, um, I don't know if you know, but I just started, uh, built a, a website uh, to people that said I should start the stuff that I do with guys like Soupy and whatnot. I still help them. Yep. Um, uh, and none of it is on the ice anymore. And so much of what I do and, and the, the best part of what I do where I see the biggest results is not on the ice. And so I continue to do that with any, all the guys that I've worked with and I, I would help anyone. And uh, this, people said I should do that. Well, I'm not, co if I'm not, you know, don't have a contract right now. And yeah. so I built this website and it's just um, based on what you had said and, and, I'm uh, offer my help 
in in these other ways exactly the same way that i would jack campbell and it it brings i try to get the best out of what they are um i might not be able to improve your technical aspects because i'm not there on the ice but what is going on in a lot of the players uh, uh mindset minds is the all these problems that you just mentioned <laughs> and mm-hmm. challenges and roadblocks and uh and huge blocks that these guys can't get o- overcome right and uh like you said we've all we've both been through these things and a lot of them are pretty shitty but it's how you deal with them right and if you can deal with these kinds of things that's what makes the difference between like there's so many goalies out there and i'm use my position as an example that have all the talent in the world and actually have nights where they look unreal but how come they can't make it to that next level and just they can't push themselves. It's not because they're not working hard enough or whatever. There's a lot of these other things that you just mentioned that are in the way and they don't know how to deal with them. And that's where I can help. And uh, so that's very similar, very, very similar actually. And uh, and it using Jack Campbell as an example, these are were some huge uh, blocks for him in his life. And, you know, you and I, it's been a while since I was on your pod, but we talked about it and mm-hmm. how I went about it. And it was not at all about uh, your traditional, what we got to work on and, you know, we got to focus and we got to have these goals and shit. Not at all. In fact, it was quite the opposite because you, he was very goal oriented. So, I actually tried to wash that and just focus on him and the love of himself and appreciating himself as a person. And, and just, it it built that love of being on the ice, having your blades on the, on the ice and, and having fun doing it. And then the, the expansion of your growth can happen. But when you're constantly pushing, 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 and I was like that, man. I don't know what you were like, but as a kid and grow, or even as a pro, but like for years, I was like that just, and wanted to be you know goal oriented and had to make it here had to get this contract or whatever and we we talked about it and i learned that that wasn't uh it wasn't very helpful <laughs> right yeah. yeah 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 i know one of the uh one of the most recent success stories and one of the biggest success stories i've had is with a, a young man that um we essentially worked on having fun which sounds like so crazy like to work on right like that you need to work on that but like like you said you deal with these high performers and these guys that are really driven like it becomes very very professional and very business oriented right and when that happens like you lose the concept of what it is of why you put on the skates in the first place right so like we have to like reinvent that passion and that that ability to go out there and enjoy the moment and enjoy what you're doing and um, and yeah, I mean, and, and, and it is something that you do need to work on because when you're in it yourself, you know, as well as I do, right, you get caught up in it and you can't well, see the forest through the trees, right? Like, you don't know yeah. where to start. How can I ever unwind this, right? Or unpack this. So, yeah, I mean, we worked on on just finding ways for him to enjoy being out there. And, yeah. and, and then it became less critical of himself, right? Beginning to handle mistakes better because he had a different perspective on it, right? His, his focus changed. 
Um, and now he's able to flourish because he's not, he's not playing in fear, right. Of like not getting it or, or, or not attaining it or not having the, the perfection that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And now he can just flow. Right. And, uh, and I guess, yeah, I mean, that's just so fun because that's not taught in power skating. That's not handled by your typical bench boss, uh, in any program, you know? So, yeah. uh, I do think more than ever, I think these kids, you talked about talent, uh, and I know you don't want to talk. I mean, we got on this topic, so I guess we'll just stick with it. But I mean, the talent of the players now, as everyone sees, is crazy, right? It's, like it's the insane. goalies, like the goalies, my God, those goalies. It's like crazy to me watching goalies now, like how that position has advanced. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. even usurps like the players, but I mean, everyone's skilled is all I'm saying, but you know, like they're living in this, this generation's brought up in this, everyone gets a ribbon mentality in this instant gratification scenario where everything's just one click away, uh, social media perfection where you see like the highlight, highlight reel every single time you open up a feed, right? Yeah. Somebody's somebody's five-star life. And that just does amazing things for your ability to handle adversity, for your ability to frame perspective, to stay focused on something for the long-term and not the short-term. And I think like more so than in a long time, like the mental resilience, if I think is a better word, the mental toughness is at an all time low. And I think that people just need help with it. And it's 100% okay to need help with it. You know, yeah. it's fine and it's normal. But I do think that our culture is creating um, athletes that have a hard time dealing with someone telling them no. Oh, for sure. 100%. It's, it, it's more, like you said, probably now more than ever. Uh and I, that's one thing, me being on social media and following and, and, and seeing firsthand what the, how the kids respond to the, the posts or, or what they're, they're posting and whatnot. They're really affected by everything that's going on out there and, and what other people are doing or how great someone is. And it really is hard to, to focus on just being you and, and being happy with you when you're constant, constantly being shit pushed in your face day, daily about how great everyone else is. Yeah. And, uh, and it makes you feel like shit. <laughs> like no, or you don't even want to try. I mean, I, I see it at the younger age groups, right? Like less so at the older age groups. Um, and, and I would assume at pro, right. Uh, but at the younger age groups, like, these kids, if they don't feel like they get it right away, like they just shut down. Cause what's the point even of trying Right. this, this level of like perfection that they've seen, you know, like they must not be good at it. So why bother? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that breaks my heart. But uh, yeah, the old fear of, uh, I think in Michael Gervais, who I'm a fan of a uh, high performance coach that works with uh, Pete Carroll with the Seahawks, he calls it FOPO uh, fear of other people's opinions. And, uh, and what, a yeah. and what a debilitating scenario that is. And I think it, it happens for adults as much as it happens for kids, but I think kids that are really surrounded by it, right? Like not yeah. wanting to make that mistake, not being prepared to be courageous enough to throw themselves out there. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I do talk with my clients about a lot is, you know, I mean, how, when you really break it down, how many things don't you do because of that? Oh yeah. Fear of what other people might think right? What, what stops you, right? And that is 100%. a lot of times that's what it comes down to. Well, I'm unsure I might get made fun of. I mean, like that's like, that's the kid's w- way of thinking of it, but like adults have the same thing, right? People are going to judge me, right? People are going to think this, people are going to think that. Um, 
So anyways, that's a really interesting mental experiment, thought experiment to think about that, you know, and, and when you, when you are conscious of it and then you can actually lean into it, like when you recognize it, mm-hmm. well, I'm actually going to do that now because this is the reason why I was stopping. Like that really frees, like it's liberating. Right. And as an athlete, it's super liberating. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much good stuff to unpack there. We need five days on the podcast to talk about them all, but um, yeah. but I mean, but it's the real stuff, I guess that's the thing for me. Like that's as esoteric and as kind of fluffy as it sounds, it's the real stuff. Like it's yeah. real good stuff. And it's totally the stuff that, you know, is still an, looked at in a non-traditional standpoint. Right. And I think it's going to become traditional. Like I think in 15, 20 years, it's going to be status quo, right? Like, yeah, across the well, I would hope so. It's, yeah. it's funny when I listen to you talk, uh, you should speak for me. Well, yeah, let's partner up. I, I only have the forwards and defensemen taken care of. Because so. people, people, I always do these interviews, right? And, and people are like, so how do you, how do you do this? Or how come you have so much success with, you know, with, with these guys or whatever? And I, I spit out this stuff and, uh, but I listen to you, you, the way you speak, it just sounds so much better. I'll, you know what? I'll go, I'll have Jason Padola do my interviews. <laughs> Uh, but well, it's all of the stuff you're saying is so bang on uh you know we have obviously different we all have our own unique way of uh of approaching things uh but the base of what you're saying is very similar to what i do right. and uh and once people and that's w- w- with my website i've offered it to coaches uh to help as well because yeah. because uh, i believe that I've had a few people like uh, Matt Millar, who is now the development coach in LA, who um, took over for me when I left. I kind of mentored him, uh, helped him along prior, and he calls me still. And and uh, that was one of another big reasons what, what got me going on the idea, because he he's uh, improved as a as a coach, and and he's he's very happy in his life and uh i wanted to share that but um i just i think that the now more than ever like you said it's just very very important that we share this knowledge because um once people understand it uh it opens up you you'll be surprised if you know what you're doing on the ice and and know how to teach if you can get a hold of grasp what I'm saying, the the teaching and and how quickly they learn and how quickly they jump on board. Once they're fully on board and they believe in you, the the learning happens way quicker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, for sure. Exponentially right? faster. Yeah. It's there's under- no resistance, right? You have to take away the resistance. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm with you on that. And yeah, it's funny because you I mean that you just had a great point there. I mean, the evolution of the of the of the of even what I do, and one of the things uh, I haven't signed with them yet, so I won't I won't bring up the name. But a, a coach, a coach in the for a, for an OHL team, uh, was going over the package and stuff, and and he was like, you know what? Like, you should instead of just the team, you should offer this uh, to the coaching staff as well. Like from the from the coach with the general manager sitting in all the way to the equipment manager. He's like, like this, this stuff that you're talking about, the culture and the character and the communication. And he's like, like, we need this as much as the players do. And if we were all on the same page, like I would find that super beneficial. And 
so uh so yeah so from that conversation had other conversations and yeah now i'm developing like a, a front a front end aspect to the back end program you know so uh, like the, cool. the coaches can be on the same board too so yeah i mean it's um people are, are more hungry for it now than i think they have been in a long time you know mm-hmm. it's uh the barriers are starting to break and uh and yeah, I mean, again, I, I am, I'm a massive believer just in the philosophy of one-on-one coaching in general. Like, I, I think that that's like, that's the way of high performance. I mean, I have a coach myself. I mean, I just, just hired one again, uh, a week ago. Uh, I, I, I believe that's how you get the most out of yourself, right? Getting someone that knows you bring in different perspectives, different people, different tools, different techniques, someone to keep you accountable and keep you on, on, on track. And, uh, and I think athletic performance um, in, I mean, some sports have done it. Hockey has, has been an outlier all the time. They're always slow to the party, but it's starting to get there. I mean, it's starting right. to get to understand that there's, that there's value there. So um, anyways, like the poor, the poor days of Cristobal Huey, who I interviewed there about a month ago or two months ago, he had his first goalie coach at 22. He said like my son, who's 10, probably, you know, like, I don't know how many goalie coaches he's seen already because that's the way it goes. That's why these kids are so darn good now. And and, and the tentacle aspects, right? It's yeah. Crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Well, you we talked about the coaching, the side of it, as far as this meant teaching this way of thinking. Uh, that's the ultimate goal for me, as far as if I, and then hopefully in the next little bit here, uh, I land something uh, and what I would love to do is if I get a head job in the NHL is bring on the whole goalie development core, the group, as far as the coaches be on the same page as me. Yes. And, and, and I don't mean like we all have to like the same goalies or teach the same way, but just my philosophy. And I would, I'm going to really encourage that from the from the bottom to the top and we all live that kind of lifestyle as far as our coaching and way we approach the kids and and the players and i just that's my ultimate dream i I would love that and i've talked to a bunch of coaches and uh you know peter budai uh, who's retired now is is uh coaching now he's starting and he's hoping to land his first gig uh in pro uh, fingers crossed and uh but i would love to you know, because Boots totally loves the way I do things and, and bring in guys that have like minds. You know, we're, everybody's their own people, but that'd be the the ultimate gig for me to see that whole, you know, the way things are change a little bit in the approach, you know, because it's still there, Pot. It's it's still there in the NHL. Unfortunately, the, the, the way, you know, there's a line, the players here, the coaches here, and that's that. And you can, you can have a small connection on the ice and that, but that's where it ends. Yeah. But uh, I, I wanted to go to the next step. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's personal development 2.0, right? I mean, that, that yeah. and that's where sports is going. And I think a lot of the people in those positions aren't capable of, ha- of really manifesting those relationships, aren't comfortable having them themselves. You know mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where it stems from, right? Like they want to have that hard line because that's where their comfort level lies, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's a whole cultural scenario that we're talking about. And that's, you know, you can have integrity with that player on a trade or sending him down or all these negative things that sometimes happen in the world of pro sports and still be that guy's real good friend. And he thinks he's going to go to, you're going to go to bat for him whenever he needs you. Right. Like I, I have no problem with that conversation at all. 
right? To me, it's actually harder when you don't know the guy and you're messing with his life and you're doing all these things, right? right. Without him knowing and not being upfront about it. So I think there's a way to make that happen. So I 100% agree with you. Like there's there's a there's a way to put people first um, and keep them first and have them feel first where they're going to be loyal and they're going to be committed and they're going to, you're going to get the best out of them as athletes. Again, I mean, NHL's a results game. I mean, period, right? You need to get results there. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, but it's a flip of that coin, right? Of how you're going to get those results. And I think when you put that person first and not the player and you really, really harvest and, and you focus on the development of those relationships, that's where you're going to find it. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, good on you to talk about having the coaches on that same page. Cause I mean, you know, as well as I do, there's, if there's one link in that chain, that's not, that's not saying the same thing you are, then that culture isn't there. Yeah. You know, uh, so everyone needs to get it. And that was actually interesting when like one team, particularly this year that I worked with, uh, the coach ended up saying that it was like what we did for, for an hour a week was better than their practice time, that he would have swapped it for a practice because like, as far as like building the culture and having these players on a call together, working through some of these blocks in a group format, you know, that understanding that they do have the same things that they're all wanting to do, or they're mm -hmm. all having trouble with right? That you can actually build a culture around improvement, development, and growth that doesn't feel isolating. Like there's anything wrong with you mm -hmm. because that's a problem too, right? We're all sitting there going, oh shit, <laughs> but he doesn't feel like that. Why do I feel like this? No one yeah. else is going through this, right? But we're all going through it, you know? Yeah. So when you have it, like when you have 20 strong in a room that understand like, yeah, we're all doing this together. We, we're all on this journey and we all want to be better. Um, that's a really interesting environment to operate in. It's really yeah. fun. Well, our, our general mindset as far as hockey players and how we're conditioned in the past is uh, be tough. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and uh, showing any sign of lack of toughness uh, is a bit of a sign of weakness. Yeah. And uh, so people shut up and don't say anything. Yeah, don't say nothing. R regardless uh, what it is, whether it's something to do with your life that sucks or, or you're having trouble with or on on the ice. And uh, our, just, our general way of thinking is to don't say anything. And guys really suffer from that all the yeah. time. Pro too, in NHL, happens all the time. Uh, so having people like yourself, uh, um, just with that the idea of doing things this way, people, you'll be surprised, man. If you get someone to open up, <laughs> there's all kinds of shit going on in their lives that needs to be talked about. And once that's freed up, you can, you can begin to heal and, and improve and, and build your life. But until if you keep everything bottled up inside and be the traditional hockey player, you kind of just go with what happens, you know, you, you kind of implode almost over time. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's too much to bear. Right. Um, and yeah, yeah and we're, we're dealing with all types of masks in that scenario. You I mean, masculinity is one of them. Like what are you, what, what does it mean to be a guy? You know, I mean, I have female, I have female clients too, but I mean, when you're dealing with like males who are now hockey players, they, they, they think that this, like you, when you are those two things, like you, you show up and you act and you behave a certain way. Yeah. Um, and you're supposed to be tougher than everybody and you're supposed to be this and you're supposed to be that. So um, there's a lot of stigma that comes with that position. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, 
maybe a maybe a maybe a page out of Brene Brown's book, which is funny in, in the hockey environment. But like, I try and be courageous in the fact of talking about what it is that I've gone through or what it is that I will, I mean, have gone through right. or had a hard time with, um, and showing like the courage, the bravery, uh, you know, the strength that it requires to say that to talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's a different type of toughness. It's really tough to do yeah. that. And sometimes more tough than just saying that there's nothing wrong there. So yeah, when you can incorporate that and encourage that, I mean, on a one-on-one -on -one scenario, for sure. I mean, I've seen it tons of times and I've seen it in a group environment where like a bunch of gr a group of athletes and in this case, teenage boys, um, that was like, it was like the whole world opened for them. And like, then the change was crazy. Like what they were able to talk about, what they were able to share, what they were able to, um, to, to grow together was, was, uh, was so super fun, like to see and so rewarding. And, uh, so it's there, like, I, I just know it's there. Right? I mean, it's underneath the surface everywhere and, uh, and the teams that are getting behind it and are getting on board with it, uh, are seeing the benefits of it. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's an easy thing, you know, to, to, to get excited about, I guess, you know, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. You know, the, the idea of sharing, um, opening up about uh, all the things th that you've had trouble with or whatnot is a huge part of my coaching. I've used <laughs> many, many stories uh, of some of the things that I had done wrong along the way and in my past. And you know what? Uh, years and years ago, I probably would never have said any of the stuff uh, but I found that when I did this with some of my earlier guys that I had, and when I had like uh, Hellebuck and, and Hutch in, in Winnipeg and, and, and when I was first getting going, you really realized that your vulnerability, showing your vulnerability, uh, made them respect you more and realize that you really were opening up to them and in, in Hence, they would open up to you. And it also helped not only with the actual stories that, well, he did this, so I probably don't want to do this, <laughs> but I, just the connection yeah. really helped with that as well. But it's, uh, it's a tough thing for a hockey player, though, to open up and admit a lot of his mistakes and whatnot. We go years sometimes, and some guys never, ever get over it they've been fucked or they've been screwed over and they, they, they go to their deathbed believing so. But uh, I, I learned quite some time ago that a lot of the stuff that happened with me was because of me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think if you get it, like you said, your clients or, or groups of people to understand all these different things that happen along the way and how you didn't deal with them right or whatever, can go a long way for your coaching. I think that's real cool that you do that. Yeah. Well, no, thanks. You too, man. Yeah. We, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I, and I guess the last thing maybe we'll finish with just on this topic is why I always keep a little pocket of one-on-one -on -one clients right now is because for me, I think that's really what I needed the most was like the, like that guy or girl that I would be able to pick up the phone to not even knowing that I needed it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Cause sometimes when you're in it, like you kind of think you got it all figured out. I mean, you remember as well as I do, you know, like, it's, oh, yeah. you know, like I got, you got the world by the tail, you know, like everything's going and you're going well. And, and it usually is somebody's fault. It's not my fault, right. It's something that's going on there. Um, but to have somebody that you trust 
that you know isn't going to judge, that might tell it to you straight, but you still like their opinion, um, that you look up to as a little maybe of as a role model and a mentor, like, boy, there's power in that, like a lot yeah. of power. Um, and uh, and it's hard to do that as a mom or a dad, which is why I recognize even the role I'm in right now. You know, like it's hard, it's hard to fill that role as a parent. And, um, and as a coach, to be quite honest, I mean, if you're just, if you're the coach of many to be the coach of that one or that mentor, that one, that's really hard to do in that way. So, um, I do encourage all athletes, whether it's somebody you pay for, and it's a service like me, like not everybody has that thing in their inner circle, right? Like that, that, that person. Um, I really think that's part of a winning team, like to have, to have that somebody that is unbiased and just wants your best interest, period. Like that's the only thing they're looking out for. Um, because that can save you a lot of mistakes. <laughs> you save your career too. Yeah, exactly. But it all also save your yourself in moving forward in your life. I re- yeah. it shows, um, you know. I always go back to Jack is the the one shining story that shows the overall what can happen uh, if you follow all a lot of this stuff that I say. And you know what? If if Soupy um loses in the first round uh in the playoffs here he's gonna be okay i know that now you know what i mean yeah 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 what a great example he is too like you said like we're talking about talent right all the talent in the world first round pick right Mm -hmm. like scouts lighting up scouts radar at a young age and has a real hard time figuring it out and it's not because he's not talented enough Mm -hmm. right it wasn't because everything that that we've talked about yeah. everything yeah some somewhere somewhere some lines got crossed right and the neurology started to change and he started you know whatever that thing was and i know we spoke about it more in our podcast a little bit but yeah what a great like redemption story right now like we're right in the middle of it it's not over yet hopefully it hopefully it hopefully it's just beginning right yeah i i and i have said it in a million interviews that uh, i've always believed that this is what he's where he's meant to be and be a number one guy and uh I'll go to the grave saying that and I still believe it and all these doubters and I'm glad we bringing it up because <laughs> I've uh, done, did a bunch of interviews earlier when Supi was have, breaking the records and all that stuff. And, but uh, I've been listening and there's all these doubters, you know, about his experience and blah, blah, fucking blah. And I've wanted someone to come call me now yeah. so I can just say something <laughs> and say, Hey, just shut up, watch the game, support him, and it, it win, lose, or draw. You know what? He's going to give you the best. And uh, I, I just, after all he's done this season, to to still like, why doubt him? You know, where's the where's the positive energy in that? Anyways, it just I want someone to I want to do an interview now because I just want uh, to put a little positive vibe or in his kitchen because it's just the media holy well toronto media is the worst um i know for you've been there (laughs) tough market to be in but uh yeah i mean just watching him um and knowing like the little that i do know you know about you guys working together and, and some of his struggles and challenges like and then watching him um again not a finished product because none of us are but like Mm -hmm. seeing him stand in his own skin in the interviews the way he gets emotional about his teammates the way he's affected by what his teammates do how he handles those interviews like to me he seems like a really quality human being person yeah first 
Fair you know enough. what I mean? First, an athlete second, which is right in line with what we've been talking about. Like, I think he's comfortable in his own skin. Like, he looks like he, you know, like he's a, he's allowing himself to be himself. And in allowing himself to be himself, he's being an amazing athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the connection I see when watching him. I don't know if, if I'm accurate or not, but I just love seeing his his uh, humanity. Like, he seems like he's just a great human. And, yeah. uh, and I'd love to play for him myself. And I can see why those guys are playing so hard for him, too. Yeah. Well, I said it, I remember, I think it was the Leafs lunch. I did, did it with Andy, uh, an interview. And I just said that one of the big things about being a number one guy is, uh, having, uh, people that would put their face in front of a puck for you. That would, you know, they, they would do anything, take a bullet for you basically. And it, he is that type of person that people genuinely, you listen to those interviews. That's not bullshit. It's other people talking about soup. Like he is a genuine, he's the genuine article. Guys love playing for him. And especially as a goalie, as much as it seems like, and it is, can be an individual position. We are in dire need of what happens in front of us to be successful. You can't win a game on your own. And when you have guys that not only are working hard, but actually going to war for you, that's where you build winners, winning teams. And he has that. And that's a big intangible as being a number one, right? There are goalies out there, and I won't name names, that are great goalies, but have never won. And one of the big things that you hear behind the scenes is they're not great team guys. They don't particularly are particularly liked. Yeah. And when you have that, which he has in spades, uh, can be real helpful. So I'm hopeful and I, I'm so, so super psyched uh, to see what happens. Cause man, he gets to, he's the starter in the Stanley cup playoffs and just that alone. That's yeah. awesome. Regardless of the result. I'm so jacked for him. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I am too. I mean, he's been a, he's been a feel good story for me too. I mean, how do you not? I guess you I mean you like it. I mean, I, <laughs> a little closer connection maybe than some, but just seeing seeing his rise there and him, you know, paying the dues and uh, you know the doubters and all the stuff you're talking about. It's uh, it's cool. I just love the way that he's that he's navigating it all too. Like that's been one of my favorite right. to watch. It's just yeah, awesome. yeah. yeah and, and through our talks uh, along the way. He's had challenges because, you know, that market's the toughest in the world and uh, in Toronto there. And, but he's open, he's open to, you know, expressing his challenges and, and, and stuff along the way. And he's meeting everything head on and just, it's been so fun to watch. And I'm just so proud of that guy. I can't, express it enough. If it doesn't go well he can go play for og paper at the next season <laughs> okay <laughs> they're great segue because you know people i should have we got right into it right away yeah. how we know each other okay so you're playing a lot of years in the in the nhl and in the american league and, and even in the nhl and go over to the del in Mannheim. how <laughs> how did how you end up in Japan yeah. with me <laughs> for your and ends up being your final season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how did, how in the hell did this come along? Well, yeah, what a great question. Uh, 
And it's kind of fun for even maybe to retell. Uh, I did actually go, I, Mannheim was, was that, I mean, not Mannheim, um, OG was awesome because I did end up going to one more NHL camp after that. Like it actually gave oh, yeah. me like some fire and like, no, I'm not done yet. Like I was like, I want to, I want to keep going here. But uh, I played three years in Germany and I'll, maybe I'll start just in the first year of Germany real quick. I, I yeah. went to Germany, I think it was at 26 or 27 years old. I, I'd been in the minors for like four or five years was doing well there, but felt like I was actually like kind of fading as a player, um, had, had sort of been written off despite stats and everything else that, you know, I'm a minor leaguer. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to Europe. I want to reinvent myself. I want to get back to, you know, my goal scoring skill kind of work and then come back, you know, I was going to go for one year and then come back. That was like my, my, my uh, mid-career makeover move. Right. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And lo and behold, I go to, I go to Mannheim and have the time of my life. I'm real successful. They offer me a two-year extension two months in, and now I have this big decision to make, right? Am I going to stay here or am I, and I can and say, essentially say goodbye to the NHL, or am I going to stay here and play in Europe and, you know, make really good money and have this awesome life experience and right. say, all right, this is what I'm doing. Um, I ended up signing the two-year extension, uh, I don't I mean, yeah, I mean, never, I'm not a rear view mirror kind of guy. I mean, I loved my time there. Uh, right. Ended up getting hurt the, the second half of that season. So in some ways, like, thankful that I signed that extension because I had a shoulder surgery that ended that, that, uh, that season. And I had two more years after that. And I was never quite the same player again after the surgery either. Um, so maybe that got a few more dollars in my bank account. But neither here nor there. I ended up getting a concussion, ended up getting two concussions, ended up getting a third concussion. And then at the end of my, my time in Mannheim, uh, could have stayed there. There was other teams that wanted, uh, me to, me to play for them. And, but I was just like, you know what? I mean, I think you're like me that way too. Like there was, when I was in it and I, as a hockey player, I never really identified as being a hockey player, like just a hockey player. Mm -hmm. Like there was always like stuff that interested me and I knew I could do things other places. And, and with me, like getting those two concussions and having a hard time, you know, recovering from them, I was, I was starting to think about like post hockey existence, right. you know, and I was like, maybe it's better if I just go back to school. So I was like, I'm gonna go back to school. So I ended up re retiring, like the boys had a retirement party for me at 30, right? I was or 29, I think 29 or 30, enrolled at UBC Okanagan, off to University of British Columbia, I go, I'm, I'm in first year classes with all these 18 year olds and 19 year olds. And, um, <laughs> anyways like living living this university life not really knowing what I was going to do with it or otherwise but just always kind of thought of myself as a bit of an academic and that's where I would have went if I didn't go to the WHL so here I was and wouldn't you know it if the phone just wouldn't stop ringing right like not looking for a job right like <laughs> so I, I'm going to school and I mean and it's all these places like it was they weren't high high profile jobs by any means but like they were you know, Milan in Italy and, and, and in Austria and Prague and like, and uh, the one in Denmark, uh, Copenhagen. And I'm like, oh my God, like super cool places, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That I didn't even really knew had like professional ice hockey leagues to be quite honest with you. Um, but the money was always like, man, you know, like it's not really good enough for me to, to right. leave school. And then, and then, yeah. And then I got a call from Japan um, an OG paper and they're like, Hey, can you play? Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, and um, <laughs> was in the middle of finals, right? And it was, uh, I don't give a crap talking about money, but I think it was like 70,000 or 75,000 US for like the last two months of the year. Yeah. Um, 
And I was like, and I always loved Japan. Like that was the other thing for me. It's like, I love Japan. Like I love their culture. I love their food. I, I love aspects of that country. I'd never right. been, right? So now I'm like, well, shit, I gotta go, right? So I was <laughs> like, I gotta go. So I remember writing my finals, um, like three and four days or whatever. And that's why I'm like, I was on the next plane out. And I think I left right before Christmas, um, showed up in Japan. And um, yeah, what a wild, wild <laughs> that was. Um, having no idea out about anything like nothing yeah. right like nothing um but yeah and then enter enter dusty emu and aaron <laughs> keller who i knew from before so that was a friendly face for me because we played minor hockey against each other he was there okay uh, other other import there was rob miwa um who you know the english-speaking guys who, who i ended up getting friendly with but uh was bert there bert was there right oh yeah yeah um henderson yes yes henderson yeah hendy was there too yeah 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 yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's funny when you say all those other places you mentioned, the odd places, some odd places to have hockey and whatnot, but the culture is a little, it's European, it's different, but it's not the same. Like you go to Germany, you go to Italy or whatever, you're still kind of North American-ish, but then you throw hockey over in Japan, it's like a whole nother world. Isn't it? Especially where we were. I mean, <laughs> but you would know better than me because you played in other places. But like that one, I, I forget what it was. I think there was some type of, uh, there was some break when I was there. Um, I don't know what it was, but I think it was in February or something where, where it broke. We broke for a week and guys were allowed to go wherever they wanted or whatever. And I went down to Tokyo and then I went up to Osaka and then I think to Hokkaido. And and so we got off the island. So for those of you listening, like uh, 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 Tamakomai is up north. And, and like, I didn't know, I didn't know the geography of Japan right. very well either. So like the Northern part of Japan is like even more Japanese <laughs> oh, yeah. than, than like the South, right. Which has been a little bit Westernized. So like, I saw that like on my tour. So like to fly and land in, uh, you know, to be in Hokkaido and in Tamakomai there, like where like legitimately me walking down the street, bald six two two ten white, um, like I almost stop traffic multiple times right like, like legit yeah people that hadn't hadn't seen somebody looked like me in person before like it was yeah. like holy smokes so yeah it was it was very foreign to be there um i've said a lot of times when people have asked me like it felt a little bit like i was in the movie lost in translation with uh <laughs> with uh, who's that billy Chris? no who is that is that billy? like bill murray oh bill murray yeah with bill murray and like Scarlett it just Johansson. everything seemed to be a little bit slower like it almost seemed to be a little bit fog like to me um i don't know like it was it was really great in a lot of aspects but it was definitely really solitary if i wasn't at the rink like i was by myself and you guys you guys all had families and you know like the the japanese guys spoke only japanese it wasn't like i was going out with them so i was you know i was living a very very isolated uh life in the apartment and other than banging my head 10 times a day on all the overhead door passes um i uh i didn't have too much to do <laughs> it was uh it's definitely of all not only going to japan but like you said going up north is definitely there's a difference a huge difference because i played my first nine years in tokyo and that's a huge city and hustle and bustle and it's still japanese no doubt but uh you go up to tamakamai and we're talking some things have not changed in hundreds of years there's like it's old school a lot of shit there's old school and yeah. even for me i was like because I, I actually went when i left uh, cebu and went up to to oji 
Rhonda and the kids came back to, to Vancouver and uh, I went by myself. They came one of the years for a few months. We, we tried to homeschool them there. Uh, that bomb died big time. So they ended up going back in January. But so for the most part, for those three years, I played there by myself. And uh, I know that feeling. And I and I was cultured, like I'd been around for years and years. But even for me, being up there at times was just like banging my head on the wall. And uh, I might have been at the height of my drinking point, I think, around, <laughs> around that time. I don't drink anymore, but uh, around that time, I was definitely, because at least when you have family, mind you, I was drinking a lot in Cebu too, but <laughs> at least uh, when I had my family, you had spent a lot of home time when you're back from the road trips with the family. Yeah. But when I was up there, if you're not doing anything at nighttime, you're like just going stir crazy. Yeah. So where, where do you go? The snack bars. Remember? <laughs> now, yeah, those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I went out a couple of times and it was like that, you, like the whole social dynamic of Japan yeah. and like how, I don't know what the right word is, like male centric it, it is. Like Very, that kind of existence yeah. there is like, wow. It was like, holy, like this exists like in a civilized country. You know, it's like crazy. It, it was, yeah, it, it was a new world. I love the rink time there though. I like the... Like, I love the food. Like I remember the the meals that they would bring in, you know, yeah. after practice in the morning, and and the way the whole like the health scenario, like with the sauna and the hot tubs and like all that stuff. Like I spent a ton of time at the rink. I mean, because I loved I loved all that stuff. Right. Like, it was all taken. Plus, there was nowhere else for me to go. So I mean, I was at the rink. I was at the rink a lot. But uh, but yeah, I mean the hockey too. I mean the hockey took a little getting used to. Um, you know, like as far as I don't know what it would have been like as a goalie. Uh, because the game for me as a player the game was different because there's there's times where when you have a puck and and you know you're in the middle of doing something on the ice that you can't or at least I didn't know everyone was at all times on the right. ice you know like where you just make an instinctual play where you think somebody's going to be because that's where you know it's been done for me and where I came from forever and you make that no look play and there's no one there though in Japan like no one's ready to start the cycle or no one's following up or whatever the case may be. Right. So yeah. I remember when I first got there, it was like a lot of like, Oh shit, that guy's, you know, and I had to kind of relearn it a little bit. Um, but as far as my skill level and a speed level, um, you know, like the, the players were good. I thought the, the, the league was competitive. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun. Like I said, I got a, I got a little bit of fire back in my belly and ended up getting a trial with the Red Wings the next year and trained really hard that summer and actually had a really good chance of making that team, but then hurt myself again. And then I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going back to the minor. So, but anyways, but yeah, it was fun. Got to go to China too, right? Like we should. So for me, like that was super cool. I'd never been there. I got to walk the Berlin wall or they I mean not the Berlin wall, sorry, <laughs> the, China, the, the great wall there with you. And um, I just yeah. saw that I was looking at some pictures cause I was going to post some stuff after we did this pod. And I saw a bunch of these photos I had kept away of us, me, you and Bert uh, at the wall and very cool pictures. Yeah. 
Very cool. Yeah, you gotta make sure you tag me on those because I mean, I, I I remember them. I don't know if I have any physical pictures, but I totally remember being there. Like I remember those markets too. Like I think we might have been in the market where COVID was started. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> we were storming around there and like what a yeah, that was really wild. And then we went to uh, Korea too. Like that was really special for me actually. Now that I think about it, like yeah. Um, that time of the year, because there was there was teams from Korea that were uh, we got to, I got to go to Seoul and right. uh, to Beijing, and uh, and spend some time in Japan all in like three months and got to visit like those those cities that I talked about. So for, so again, like from a life experience standpoint, like that was that was really really special time for me. It was super cool. Yeah, those last few years for me uh, were that's when they brought in that Asia League. Prior to you and and that whole time. It was just the Japan League, and then they had this uh, grand idea to bring in a couple Chinese teams, a couple uh, Korean teams, and and one of the years we had a Russian team in Habarovsk, uh, uh, Amur, and yeah, it was a weird, weird time. I, to be quite honest, I hated going there. I didn't mind Korea so much, China, especially the cities they chose. Uh, there was Harbin was one of them and, and just uh, not, not cool for me, but, and it's kind of weird now. Cause you know, I ended up uh, coaching in the K and in China, yeah. the, that one here. And uh, uh, I'm not really allowed to talk about that, but anyways, <laughs> had its challenges. Um, but yeah, the, the, that year that you came in such a short time, a lot of different places, and yeah. different types like culturally Ch china and japan are so different and korea is a little bit kind of in the middle of all that yeah i agree uh, actually that's a good way to put it I, I would i would i would agree with that yeah but yeah what an experience for you though to be able to do that and and just kind of out of the blue eh? you know like oh it's totally out of the blue yeah i mean it all happened in like two weeks i mean i was like i said i was studying for for a philosophy 101 final and uh, all of a sudden i'm on a I'm on a plane, like, I think it was like Christmas Eve, you know, right, to, to Japan and to a place that I didn't even know existed, you know, two weeks earlier, essentially. That's too uh, cool. Yeah. I've, been, I've played with a lot of really cool, made some good friends with the import guys that have come along through, what had came along through, um, Tom Curvers and, and you know, you name, there's a ton, ton of guys that, uh, really good guys, but they all say really nice things about their experience. And most of the guys usually come for one, two years and then kind of move on. Uh, that's how it was anyways. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was really neat, the friendships we developed and, and in such a short time. And it, uh, it's been pretty cool. I was going to ask you quickly uh, before we finish off here. You, uh, you played also in St. John's, did you not? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Because I was, I spent a lot of time there when you I was, with, yeah, with when I was with Winnipeg, and and our, our American League team was in St. John's. Oh, you were in Saint, like Newfoundland. Yeah, Winnipeg had their team in Newfoundland. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. When um, when I had Hellebuck and 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 those guys, uh, the team was called the St. John's Ice Caps, and That's I remember. I remember going and I was in the dressing room, and uh, they had all of the plaques or pictures like a team picture and a plaque with all the names on it and <laughs> i remember seeing yours oh yeah yeah i yeah. was there uh 
what would it have been? I mean, that was almost the longest place that I was at in my pro hockey career. Um, you know, I was up and down a little bit with Toronto, but I mean, I got one, two, two and a half seasons. So, I mean, that was, that was the longest, um, stretch. I, yeah. uh, great I, people. I have phenomenal stories from St. John's. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that. I don't know what you thought of the place. I mean, Love I was it. single there, um, which I think either helped or hurt. I don't know. You know, I mean, it. it that uh, street, uh, George Street. Yeah, George Street and I were <laughs> real friendly. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the people there. I mean, I, and I've said it on podcasts before publicly, like, it's amazing that it's still part of Canada. Like you don't, I didn't feel like it was Canadian almost like being yeah. from the West coast here. Like it's, it's so far removed and like the dialect is so different. Um, the way of life is quite a bit different. The architecture is different. Like everything there is different. Uh, but there's such an amazing welcoming and vibrant people um, just collectively that like, I really felt comfortable there. They were, they were so good to me. And um yeah, and I enjoyed it. You I mean, and and as far as taking your mind off the game when you're when you're in the minors and not wanting to be someplace, I guess you know, I mean, like that that social element there, I think probably kept me kept me sane. You know, mm -hmm. it might also kept me from the NHL. But <laughs> well, I say that kind of more as a joke because I had, I had my most productive time. I led the AHL in scoring in that in that town. I mean, I had forty three goals in sixty games or something. It was no, number one in the minors that that year. So I mean, oh cool. Yeah. So it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was productive for me too. I had some really good line mates there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that whole thing was, was fun, but they, I mean, there's obviously, I mean, violent weather, right. Yeah. You know I mean, like there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's some craziness about being there too. That's, that's different, but really blessed for my time there. And I 100% endorse anybody, especially if you're Canadian to go visit because like that neck of the woods to me is, you know, we're so prone right on the West Coast to go to Hawaii or down to Mexico or, you know, like whatever these these West Coast kind of adventures um, that we that we don't think of going four and a half time zones away in our own country. And you know, and it is expensive and I get it. But boy, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that you'll never regret ever. Yeah, ever well, that's why I wanted to bring it up, Be not just because you played there and I coached uh, there, but just the whole vibe of St. John's. I thought it was a good thing to bring up because it's kind of an untold place. Uh, and you know, no one really talks about it. It's just over there. And, uh, yeah. like you said though, when you, in the way you get there too, it almost like it's another, it legit is another world. The way, the way you got to get into that place yeah. and sometimes can't and can't get out. It's like, uh, it's isolated, and, but it is so cool. And the, but more than anything, the, the people to me were just really special. Uh, weather sucked balls for most of the year, but we, I had my family come visit uh, during the Calder final run and uh, the weather was starting to get nice. Yeah. And uh, we went on to those iceberg uh, tour thing and, and, and uh, the lighthouse and, and, and just the see some of the scenery. And I come from, you know, we both come from BC, which is the most beautiful place in the world, but it's different or different, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's gorgeous there. It, Absolutely gorgeous. I lived, I lived like my address, my second year, my first year I lived in Torbay, which was about 15, 20 minutes outside of St. John's, like up on a cliff, this gorgeous house, like on this, on this bay, um, gorgeous. And then my next year, I lived just underneath Signal Hill. So you might, you, I'm sure you did the Signal Hill walk, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I was like, my house was like number three 
first street like I, it was like maybe one of the first places ever built like it was up at the end of this road looking over the harbor where the icebergs flowed in and like the ships come in and stuff and you could see downtown and uh like it was spectacular like and, and then you would get me the first if i knew a storm was coming before anyone else did right because i was like right on the edge <laughs> overlooking the rocks and stuff and i mean i really loved that i mean it was it was really cool there um, that's why I was surprised when they brought another AHL team in because like as a hockey player and trying to make the NHL, it was awful because no one was ever there to watch you. And it was yeah. before the time of like the videos and stuff too. Right. So like Instat didn't exist. You couldn't see a game in St. John's unless you were there and who the hell was going to St. John's. So like no one ever saw you. And that included the Toronto Maple Leaf staff who were never there. Right. So like they were never there. And the only time you'd get seen if you were going on a road trip for 15 days and you'd play 10 games in 15 days, mm-hmm. bus in between and having shit hamburgers and pizza for, for pregame. You know what I mean? Like that was your, like your audition to the hockey world. So it was like, I mean, it wasn't really designed well. And plus for call-ups too. I mean, awesome. right. Like, it's so far away that you're not getting called up for the day, a day of a game one, if somebody's hurt or whatever. Right. So like you're really isolated in that way too. So Anyways, I mean, I, I did enjoy my time there. I, I, I was surprised that they would they would come up with the idea that, hey, this is such a good idea. Somebody else should put a team here. <laughs> like well, They did Winnipeg. And I remember multiple times, because I always lived at the Delta. So the, the, the team, the other opposing team would always be there. And multiple times I'd come down in the, the Monday morning after the weekend games, and they would still be there stuck because oh, yeah. of the weather. And it would fuck their whole schedule up and the whole American League schedule up. And it constantly was a battle. And then they moved the team uh, out of there back to Manitoba. And then they brought in another team for the East Coast. Now, I don't know if they're they're called the Growlers, I think, and did amazing. Like, And uh, I don't know if they're coming back or not, but just a constant battle because when you're there, that is the place to have a hockey team as far as there and the yeah. fans and, but as far as running with another league, <laughs> it's awful. No, awful. it's tough. I remember one time we were flying in on a, uh, we were flying in after you I mean, cause you had to fly in, right. That's the only way to, to leave and the only way to get in. And it was like, you never had a smooth landing ever there. Right. Cause <laughs> it was so windy and it was so crazy. And, and, and usually we're on these smaller planes too, that, that weren't huge, uh, which, which sometimes made it worse. And, uh, and one of, one of my teammates at the time, Todd Gillingham did not fly well. Like he didn't fly well just in general and DJ Smith. That's so funny. Now head coach, I didn't mean to name drop, but that head coach of the Ottawa Senators, he was like, he's always been a pretty funny guy and still is. And, and so Gilly's like on the back of his seat, like white as a ghost, right? Planes all over the place. And, and all DJs, DJs right behind him going, this puppy's going down. There's no way we're making it, right? <laughs> shut up, shut up. Like Gilly's losing his mind and DJ's just in his back of his ear, like positive thoughts. Oh my God. But anyways, long story short. So the plane finally lands. This one time it, it was like horrific. And, and like, I think everybody on there was scared. Like, I didn't think we were going to make it. But we get on the runway and it's one of those ones where you don't even have like the sky jet or whatever. Like you, you, you walk out onto like the tarmac. And as soon as I took one foot off the, uh, like to, to go to the ladder down or the stairs, like I almost got blown off the stairs. Like it was intense. Like how it was like, we were in like a, 
I don't know, a mini, a mini little hurricane or something. Like it was nuts that this plane was even landed. So, I mean, to echo your point of like planes not leaving, that <laughs> wind's going the wrong way. You're not getting out. That's for sure. I don't know how many times we did the down and then back up. Right. Like, sorry, we're not landing. Oh, yeah. just the worst feeling. Anyways, that, hey, I really thank you for coming on. I had a great time, man, catching up. Uh, yeah, sweet. Anytime, man. I'd love to help out fellow podcasters. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> the podcasting world. Um, and uh, hey, hopefully we can get, you know, finally catch up and meet in person as, as this, uh, the weather is getting really nice. And, and once we're allowed to meet people. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, yeah, I'd love to come back up to the Okanagan and, uh, and uh, see you again, bud. Yeah, no, it'd be great. And hopefully, uh, hopefully your listeners got, uh, got a little value out of our conversation. I mean, I think one of the things that I mean, I, again, your, you, your, uh, the theming of, of your show is a little different than mine, but one of the things that I get from my podcast is just like a thanks from people who aren't just in hockey, because like the stuff we just talked about today, it has really almost nothing to do with hockey. Like when we were talking about like yeah. that, that mental side of doing anything well, you know, like it applies, right? Like it transfers to business. It transfers into anything, being a good student, um, how to help people through stuff like that. So, I mean, ho hopefully there was, there was some gems and people could take away some stuff that they can relate. And, and, you know, that's, that's why I love doing what we do. I think the conversations do matter. And, uh, and I know I've picked up a lot from podcasts like, uh, such as this too. So, mm -hmm. uh, whatever we can do to, to give back a little bit. Right. Well, for sure. Yeah. You're right about my podcast generally isn't, uh, more teaching or, or, or in, very informational or, or helpful in that way, mostly. But uh, I really felt this time around uh, was really important because we both do a lot of that. And uh, yeah. I thought we could really get some good, good value out of that. And I, I'm really happy that we had this chat and hopefully you can help someone move forward and, and maybe uh, call Mr. Jason Bedolin for Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the help. thing I've had. Um, I, we got to remember to do that too. Yeah, I mean, like it, that, that's the thing. Like we do kind of the same thing, but and there's other people doing it. Uh, I'm definitely not like I don't know. People get funny about business, right? Yeah. Like I just want people to get help. Period. Yeah. You know, like get, get, be get, accomplish what you want to accomplish. Whatever you need to do that, right? Whatever your thing is, right. like get out of your roadblocks or. Or, or make your moves. And I mean, if that's with you or if that's with me or if that's with Joe Blow down the street, like to me, that doesn't matter. There's enough people out there, you know, to help, right? It's just like, let's have the conversations. Uh, let's get the perspective changed. You know, let's understand like what's available to people and then they can make decisions. And by all means, if, if my name's one of the ones they want to email, I'd, I'd more than welcome a conversation. But I think the, the content is more important than the person that, at this stage in the, in the development of this stuff. That's probably the best way to end it right there that's uh well said and uh i again i appreciate you coming on pause it, it really meant a lot to me that you made the time grateful right. buddy thanks All for right. having me we'll we'll stay in touch man cheers peace a big big thanks to jason for coming on the podcast today uh this was definitely more directly in the whole hockey category comparison to the other episodes that I've done but very informative especially for families with kids in hockey and I encourage you to share this with anyone that might uh, you know fit that description 
If you'd like to know more about Jason and what he does, you can go to upmyhockey.com. Also, his Insta handle is Jason Podolan, and it's just J-A-S-O-N-P-O-D-O-L-L-A-N. Lastly, if you want some help from me, just go to my website, thegoalietherapist.com, and you can uh, hook up with me there. Uh, one last hua for Soupy heading into his first Stanley Cup playoffs. You can do it, bud. I'm, I'll be rooting for you. And to all the non-believers, you can all sit on an east and then twist. <laughs> Everyone, stay safe, stay connected, and God bless. <laughs>